Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumpy Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Ige versus Korean Zombie, an exciting featherweight tilt coming to you live from Las Vegas from the first time in a couple of weeks. But of course, as you guys know, we will not be breaking down that fight or any of the other fights on this Vegas main card. Instead, we are giving you just the prelim portion of the action. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and you might be asking yourself, why not break down that featherweight fight at the top? It's super exciting. We also got Alexi Olenek, Matt Brown, some other big names up here on the main card. Why not break those guys down? The answer is really simple. We know that you guys know who all of those people are. We know that you've got good ideas on how they fight and what's going on. But you probably don't know a lot of that about these prelim fighters. They're the tricky ones. And hey, if you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, or hey, maybe you just want to win your pick'em contest, that's where you got to do it. You got to do it on the prelim portion of the card. Now, speaking of pick'em apps, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by Fanatics MMA. Fanatics MMA is the most comprehensive MMA pick app that exists today. They've got fighter bios, records, odds, all right in the palm of your hand while you're making your picks. Let me tell you something, I I absolutely love this because it's got so many great features, which I'll be talking to you later, but right now I would just encourage you to go to wherever it is you download your apps and definitely download the Fanatics MMA app, get it in the palm of your hand, start playing around with it, and a little bit later on the show, like I said, I will be giving you guys some of my absolute favorite features about it. Now, it's time to get to the fights. To break down this week's fights, I of course have to be joined by a co-host joining me today. From the Fix Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben, Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure, man. I was looking forward to doing this with you. All right, guys. And as you know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alexa Kamer versus Nikolay Nagurumanu. So Kamer, one and one in the UFC, coming off of his first loss of his professional career. That was to William Knight back in September. Nagurumanu, oof, that is a tough name, is 0-1 in the UFC. That loss came in his debut in March of 2019 to Svarovic Safarov. He has been gone out of the UFC since then. I'm just going to be candid about this one to kick it off. It sort of feels like they are trying to get somebody who they thought was a hyper prospect in Alexa Kamer back on the right track. Is there anything you can tell me about Nagurumanu that you think would give Kamer any trouble? Honestly, I I tend to agree with you. You know, when looking up um Nagura Manu, if you if you actually look into his record, the the level of competition he fought prior to the UFC is not very good. Like the record of his opponents is something like forty three and, and well over a hundred. Um he's faced less than than stellar competition. I think Kamer is just a more dynamic and well rounded fighter, and that's not to, to downplay uh, Nikolai too much, but yeah, I, I think this just really seems like a setup fight for Gamer to get him back on track, make him look good, and uh, you know really see what they got in him going forward. And the the other thing about Nagurumanu is is he had a lot of trouble with Sparbek Safarov in his lone UFC fight with the physicality of Safarov, and, and I don't even particularly think Safarov is like a very strong light heavyweight or a guy who's like dangerous with his physicality, but like he still had trouble with it. And Alexa Kamer 
is like crazy strong. Like it, it, the only reason he went into his last fight and was not the stronger opponent is because he happened to be fighting William Knight. Who yeah, like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that dude is a freak big. So, um, you know, like I think he's going to have a huge strength advantage. You're going to see him use it here. And, uh, I mean, I guess gun to my head here I, and I have to take a pick, you know, being that the opponent, I don't know too much about, I'm going to take Kamer by TKO early. Uh, just cause I, like you said, I, I think it's a setup fight. I think he's going to get it done. Uh, how about you? You know, I will say for Nagaramanu, at least outside of the UFC, what I could see from him, he does seem like a finisher, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with Kamer by stoppage. I think he gets it done. Yeah. I'm going to go first round as well. I think he's just got too much and, uh, Nagaramanu is not going to be ready for it. All right. Well, let's talk about our second fight, which is a much more competitive fight. And that's Verna Jandiroba versus Kanako Murata. Jandiroba, two and two in the UFC. She last lost to Mackenzie Dern by decision back in December. Murata made her UFC debut in November by beating Randa Marcos, which is a hell of a debut fight for a, an opponent like that. So, my, my question for you, I guess, let's start by talking about the fact that this should be a very exciting grappling match, right? Like, you got a fun wrestler, a fun jujitsu artist. Do you think for sure that this fight winds up on the mat? And if so, who do you see getting the upper hand? I do think it winds up on the mat, and I am interested in seeing the grappling. Um, you know, Murata Mar- probably, if there was the option, she would be fighting at 105, so that kind of worries me especially Janda Roba she's a physical grappler um she uses double legs well she actually sets up her takedowns pretty well by you know jabbing to get on the inside um so the size worries me a little bit for Murata um I expect Janda Roba to be able to get her down um but Murata is good on the ground so I don't know how much work Janda Roba is actually going to be able to get done effectively on the mat I'm really looking forward to this one man yeah, I am too. Now, you know, not to flip it on our, our heads here, because we both prefer that this wind up being a grappling match. But if it doesn't, wh- what do you see that looking like? If this does wind up being one of those ones where the wrestling cancels each other out and they wind up just swinging, wh- who do you like in that fight? I still kind of favor Janda Roba. I, I do think she punches pretty hard. Um, I think she could put some combinations together, and again, like the size factor, even if she's not getting the takedowns, I do think she could be able to lean on Murata, get her against the cage, do some work in the clinch. Um, I, so I favor Jandaroba on the feet as well. Okay, so that means, I, I assume if you're favoring her in both places, you're taking her, so let, let's log that official pick. Who do you got in this one? How do you got him? I'm going to go Jandaroba by decision. I think Murata is going to be stingy on the mat. I think she's going to make it an ugly fight. I do think she's going to have her moments, but I just think the size and Jandaroba's overall skill is going to win her the fight by decision. So I, I agree with you that I think she probably is more skilled, and I am a little bit worried about the size, but I'm actually going to go with Murata in this one. I think you know, her, her wrestling against Randa Marcos impressed me enough that makes me think that She's going to be good enough to either stuff or maybe be on the offensive with the takedowns. I also am a little bit worried about Janda Roba because not that Mackenzie Dern is like a phenomenal, you know, wrestler or not a phenomenal grappler in and a phenomenal wrestler. But like she, she doesn't look all that great wrestling sometimes, but she seemed to have an easy enough time with Janda Roba. So I'm a little bit worried about somebody who's got a little bit better wrestling. So. I'm going to go Murata. I'm going to say it definitely goes to decision here. I don't see either of these two getting this up. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. 
Alright guys, well I mentioned to you at the top of the show that I'd be telling you about some of my favorite features on the Fanatics MMA app. Let me start by telling you about the scoring system because that's absolutely positively my favorite feature on the app. Because so many times you play a pick'em contest, you're up against your friends and, and you know, they're, they're all over the place, right? You've seen them on all kinds of different websites and all kinds of different apps. But none of them have a scoring system like this. The scoring system on Fanatics MMA uses Vegas odds to reward you for picking underdogs or close fights more so than picking fights that are blown out and one-sided. It also penalizes you more heavily for fights that, you know, seemed like they had big wide odds. You you win all chalky and, hey, maybe there was a big upset. So it really makes you play both sides of every single fight. Plus, if you're not so sure about stuff, they give you those odds, like I said before, and their fighter bios right in the palm of your hand. So it makes it very fun to play, very fun to follow along with your picks, and it makes you feel like you're never out of it. So make sure, once again, to go wherever it is you download apps and grab that Fanatics MMA app. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Chaos Williams versus Matthew Samelisberger. So Williams was 2-0 in the UFC. He lost the decision to Michelle Pereira back in December. Samelisberger, meanwhile, is 2-0. He most recently knocked out Jason Witt in just 16 seconds. That was, of course, back in March. So in his last fight, Samelisberger showed that, hey, he's got some hands too. Chaos Williams isn't the only one who does. But he is a wrestler by trade. He was a high school wrestler. He had a wrestling background. Do you think he's going to fall in love with those hands here? Or do you think there's a chance here that he does wind up wrestling uh, Chaos Williams up a bit? You know, I think it would be smart for him to use his wrestling. Obviously, Chaos Williams, um, I mean, insane power. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think so, though. I think I think he has a good chin. I think he trusts his chin. Um, man, this, you know what? If, if you need to go to the bathroom and you need to get a drink, do it before this fight. Because this fight has... You know, fight of the night, possible knockout of the night, performance of the night written all over it. These guys are both finishers, both have a ton of power. Um, so, somebody's getting finished in this fight. But, yeah. like, I do think Semmelsberger may try to use his wrestling, and that would be smart. Yeah, I, I think it would be insanely smart for him to decide to wrestle here. Because, like, I, I think we saw it a little bit at the end of his very first fight, which was, granted, it was against Carlton Minus, who, who is not really UFC caliber in my opinion but like he he used his wrestling at the end of that and it looked damn good like it was a big power double that like shoved the guy all the way across the cage and like I really think that if he used that here it would do him some good against Williams I I do worry about every fighter who is you know primarily a wrestler who lands a big knockout like that because they fall in love with that we saw that, you know, time and time again. Gabriel Gonzaga is the like best example. The dude knocked yeah. out the dude knocked out Miracle Crocop and forgot he was a jujitsu black belt for like <laughs> five years. And like, you know, maybe not all of them are built the same way. I'm kinda hoping we see Semmelsberger go back a little bit to his grappling. But I will say, I don't think he's out of the realm of possibility of winning this striking wise either. Like I I think that's a real possibility for him too. Um, so with that being said, we are just about to the end of this fight. Do you have a pick? Who, who do you got winning this one and how you got him winning? I do. You know, I'm going to go with that power of Chaos Williams. I think that Semmelsberger is going to be a little bit comfortable on his feet. And like you said, I do think he can have some success there. But I think the longer he plays with fire, it's going to it's gonna come back. It's going to bite him. I think Chaos Williams could carry some power later in the fight. So I'm going to take Chaos Williams by knockout uh, late in the second round. 
All right, and I'm going to differ with you again, man. We're not usually this different, but I'm going to take I, Matthew. I like, it. I, I like it, too. It's going to make for a fun fight night. But I'm going to take Matthew Semmelsberger. I think, like you said, the, the choice to wrestle being there for him gives me a tiebreaker because I, I think both their power is great. I think their stand-up is, is maybe not on the same tier. Maybe that leans to Williams a little bit. But I, I think having that ace in the hole where he could just wrestle him up a little bit and wear him out, I, I think that that might be a big, big difference maker. And that brings us to our second fight of this round, which is Josh Parisian versus Roque Martinez. Parisian lost his debut to Parker Porter by decision. And meanwhile, Roque Martinez, 0-2 in the UFC with losses to Alexander Romanoff and Dontel Mays. So uh, this one's pretty easy for me. Josh Parisian is a heavyweight who looks like he needs to grapple. He looks like he's a guy who needs the fight on the ground to get it done. Is this the right opponent for him to do that? Can he get Roque Martinez down enough to to you know sort of take him into his realm and take him into deep waters? I do think so. You know, Parisian has a, a six inch height advantage, a seven inch reach advantage. He's just he's a natural heavyweight, right? Where Roque Martinez doesn't seem like he should be fighting at heavyweight. Um, watching the tape on Roque Martinez as well, his takedown defense and his get up game are neither are very strong, and you know Parisian. Does some good work with the wrestling and the takedowns. Um, he just needs to be a little careful with his gas tank. Um, you know, Martinez does have a really good shin. Parisian can gas, but I, I think this is a good opponent for Parisian to take down, do some work on the ground, and uh, get him out of there. Yeah, and I'll say two things sort of flattering Roque Martinez before I tear him apart. But, like, first of all, first of all, his takedown defense does look a little bit bad because he did fight Alexander Romanov, who is who's an yes, absolute is unit, right? Like, and he's, he's amazing. Um, and, and then the second thing I'll say is he actually has really solid cardio for a guy who looks like he does. He does. Um, which, which is impressive. But that being said, you're right. Like, ultimately here, this is a guy who I feel like Josh Parisian can take down. And with that being said, you know, like, I I favor him in this fight because he is phenomenal on the ground. He is a really good grappler for the heavyweight division. I I, I do worry about whether or not Roque can can bang a little bit. But like you said, the height and reach advantage should level that playing field enough so that, you know, the tiebreaker here is the grappling. So I'm going to take Parisian here. I'm going to say he gets it done with a sub. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go sub as well. I think he gets it done with an arm triangle. I like it. I like you getting more specific than me, too. So so that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll take a quick break, and we will be right back with round number three. All right, guys. So let me tell you about one of my other favorite functions of the Fanatics MMA app. We are all getting back together a little bit more nowadays, and we're, we're seeing fights together in our living rooms. But for a while there, and hey, maybe you are still spaced out with people. We're not able to always watch fights with our friends. Maybe we're also growing up. Maybe you got kids now. It's not so easy. The Fanatics MMA app makes it really easy to connect with your friends while you're watching the fights. They've got a group app on there. It's super easy to use. You can set up your own group. And in there, not only can you see all of your friends' picks, but you can also chat right in the app. That's right. You don't have to move on to Twitter or you don't have to move on to a messenger or anything like that. No. Right in the palm of your hand, right there, you've got your all of your friends all of their picks, and you can tell them about how terrible they are each and every time. So I highly suggest downloading the Fanatics MMA app. Check out that feature as well, and let's get to round three. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about a weird one, and that's Joakim Silva versus Rick Glenn. So both of these fighters, one and two in their last three. Silva most recently lost to Nasrat Hakparas 
That was in August of 2019, so almost two full years ago. Rick Glenn, meanwhile, his last loss came to Kevin Aguilar, who I'm pretty sure is not still in the UFC. And that fight was in November of 2018. So two and a half years ago, plus two two years and eight months for Rick Glenn. So crazy layoffs. Go ahead and tell me how you even intend to break down such a fight. <laughs> I Well, here's the thing, man. I've always been a really good I, – I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, a really big Rick Glenn fan. So I'm a little bit biased here. I like his style. You know, the thing about – Glenn is moving up to 155. So that's another interesting note for this fight. He's always had a really good frame for 145. You know, he's long. He's lanky. I just like Rick Glenn's style. He's super crafty, good in the clinch. He's got good knees, good elbows. He's actually got a really slick ground game as well. And, I mean, this this fight just – you know, looking at this fight, not even taking the layoffs into um, consideration because, like you said, they they've both have long, long layoffs, but – I mean, this is another fight that just screams fight of the night, right? Because Joaquin Silva is a brawler. He likes to get in the pocket. He does a lot of damage. Rick Glenn, although he has a lot of size and length, he doesn't mind getting into a, a, a barn burner as well. He's got a good chin. I expect these guys to meet in the middle, and I don't see any way that this fight is not an absolute banger. Yeah, I think it's going to be a banger, and I think, too, their their durability lends itself to being just like an, an absolute crazy three-round war. Um, you know, I, I think back in, in pretty much the way I break down this fight is, is if if both of these two show up like their last version of themselves, the last time we saw them, I, I just like Rick Glenn's work in the clinch too much. I, I like what he did. I mean, it's going way back now, but what he did to Gavin Tucker was disgusting. Like, you know, it was, it was brutal, should have been stopped 850 times. I liked what he did to Dennis Bermudez, for that matter, which is, is not an easy name to just, you know, sort of, I mean, he did dispatch of him. It was a close fight. Whereas with Silva, you know, like, he fought a little bit higher of a level of competition with Vince Pichel and Nazarat Hakparas. But, like, he sort of seems like a guy who's more looking for the big shot and not putting things together. So I like I like Rick Glenn in this one. And like you, I am a little bit of a sucker for Rick Glenn. I think he's, like, one of the nicest dudes on the planet, too. And he's he's super fun to watch. So... I'm going to take Rick Glenn here. I'll take him by decision. How about you? Just to differ from you, I'm going to go Rick Glenn by uh, guillotine in the third round. I, again, I think it's going to be a banger for however long it lasts. Really excited for this one. Absolutely. And that brings us to our last one, which is also an interesting one. And that's Casey O'Neill versus Lara Procopio. O'Neill beat Shanna Dobson back in February in her debut. That win was by grounded pound in very impressive fashion. Procopio is 1-1 one one in the UFC. She's coming off a decision win over Molly McCann. That came back in February. My question for you, let's let's start with Casey O'Neill. She was super impressive in her debut. Are you buying the hype on her, or are you sort of blaming the level of, of Shanna Dobson's wrestling and wrestling defense for how good she looked there? You know, that's a tough question when you're looking at this fight specifically, right? Because these are, I mean, they're both they're both young prospects, so I think this is really interesting matchmaking. The thing is, they both have a very similar style, right? I think they, I think on the feet, they're both relatively unpolished, but the mat is where they both do, um, you know, most of their work. Uh, Procopio is a black belt, uh, pretty credentialed black belt. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really interesting matchmaking, good matchmaking. Um, I just I, I feel like whoever has the more polished striking and the better striking going into this fight is probably going to win it. 
Yeah, and, and, and in that way, too, it's it's interesting to talk about, like, more polished striking, too, because the, the thing about Procopio versus O'Neal, whether you watched her fight with Carol Rosa or her fights before she got to the UFC, she, she just loves to be in a war. So, like, is, is she more polished? Uh, I mean, like, that, that's definitely a question, but some of the times she doesn't even want the polish. You know what I mean? Like, she just right, wants, it, she wants it to be rough and nasty. I think there was something like 350 strikes landed in that Carol Rosa fight over a 15-minute period. So, like, if she goes in and does that, can Casey O'Neill hang? I, I'm not sure. And then she followed that performance up, obviously, by taking Molly McCann down almost at will. So, like... Man, I don't know which version of her shows up in what how Casey O'Neill deals with either of those, but you're right. It is a super hard fight to to break down just like where it would go. Um, but unfortunately, we are at the end of that five minutes, so I got to know who you got in this one and how do you got him. I will say of the two, I think Lara Procopio is more um, willing to play off of her back uh, as opposed to uh, Casey O'Neill. I'm going to go O'Neal. I, I like what she's doing. You know, going back to your first question, I am buying into the hype. But again, this is kind of a hard a hard fight to call because they both have a similar style. They're both young. Um, it's really good matchmaking. A lot of times you don't see this. I'm going to go Casey O'Neal by very close decision. All right, and I'm going to go just to differ with you just a little bit. I'm going to take Lara Procopio in this one. Also by very close decision. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this winds up split decision because, like I said, I think the vo- I think the volume's going to be there for both of them. I, I think it's going to be all over the place. I think both of them are going to have their moments grappling. But ultimately, I, you know, I just think the wrestling and like, you know, you mentioned the jiu-jitsu black belt. The jiu-jitsu black belt of Procopio just might be the difference maker. And that's going to do it for the end of all six of those preliminary fights. We hope you guys enjoyed something, maybe even learned something. Of course, remember that you can check out my co-host on his podcast, the Fix Fights Podcast with Kurt and Ben. They've got all kinds of material there now. It is not just talk. It is not just interviews. It is so much more. You can get Technique Tuesday and all kinds of other great stuff. So make sure you follow them on Twitter and you follow him at KCPKO. Kurt, thanks so much for joining me, man. Always a pleasure, man. Can't wait to do it again.